Welcome to Ultra Modern. This is a lifestyle and creative podcast created by Crosswalk Future Of that examines the ways that God is moving and working in today's world. To learn more about Future Of, follow us on Instagram at futureof.cw. Hello, welcome to the Ultra Modern Podcast to all of you who are listening, to our YouTube listeners. Hello, hi, you can see our special guest. Uh, but if you're listening, I'm gonna keep it a secret a little longer. We, our church, Crosswalk, has been expanding and we have been able to reach different communities in different parts of our country. And with us today is one of our new uh, lead pastors of our campuses. He's coming all the way from Portland. I was gonna say Portland, California. Portland, <laughs> Oregon, uh, which I've never been to, but I hear is very nice. We have Pastor Patty McCoy. What's up, Patty? What's up? Good to be here, man. Thanks. And actually, we'd be super excited if Portland was in California. We might get more sun. No, yeah. I, I think you would change your mind once you came here because yeah. the sun sucks sometimes. <laughs> like, it's the worst. But I, I suppose you guys would like that. Well, for a time, probably. Yeah. yeah. We, we like seasons. We, we like fall and winter and spring and nice. summer. But but sometimes it's all just gray and rainy. Right, right. Yeah. That, we get that too, except it's just summer all the time yeah. here. Sometimes we'll get some rain. I think I've counted so far. This year, we've it's rained three times. Well, but you guys run, like, I, I've watched. And when it rains down here, you, like, run from it like it's acid. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I, it's I, gonna kill you. If you're on- I, I have a I have a cousin who teaches at UCSD uh-huh. and she tells me when it rains, half her class doesn't go to school. Yeah. We don't know what to do. That's so crazy. We literally don't know what to we do. We don't even carry umbrellas. We barely wear jackets. It's just that? wet. That, yeah, I don't it's wanna fine. be wet. That's the thing. <laughs> Dude, I'm telling you, everybody gets excited about the rain here in California and they'll take their cute pictures of like, Oh, I love the rain and whatnot. <laughs> I promise you, ten minutes later. Like 12 o'clock that day, they're just done with it. Everybody's yeah. just tired of the rain. Yeah. So, But the rain cleans the air. It does. Yeah. And then you can find I didn't even seat. know. The first time I stayed in Loma Linda, like years back, um, <laughs> that it was super smoggy and, yeah. and that. And, and I didn't know anything about the area and, and whatever. And then it, on my last day, it rained. And I came out of my hotel room and I saw the mountains. Mm-hmm. And I was like, dude, have those been here the whole time? <laughs> like, because that's amazing. What I've been seeing is awful, but that's beautiful. Yeah, anyway, yeah. No, I totally get what you're saying. <laughs> you just get this wall of smog. It's really gross. Yeah. But then all of a sudden, these beautiful mountains. Yeah. Yeah. Dude, so I, really quick, I just want to introduce you for those people who may not have uh, known who you are. Uh, so the fir- I want to tell you the first time I found out who you were. Yeah. I went to the one project. I think that was 2016 or 17. Um, and you hosted it every year. Yeah. And I remember I, I, I saw you two summers in a row uh, or two. What was in the summer? Uh, usually February. February. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Okay. Two, two Februarys in a row. I mean, summer for you because it was in California. Yeah, exactly. San Diego, <laughs> baby. We loved it. Um, and you were just this hilarious guy uh, that would, you know, come up on stage and you did the hosting basically, yeah. right? Yeah. And then I came to find out you're a pastor and, and I didn't know that. It yeah. got me even more excited. Uh, but at the time, you were working at Walla Walla, yeah, right? Yeah, Walla Walla University. I was the campus chaplain up there for 14 years. Wow, that yeah. is that is great. Yeah. Can you tell us a little bit about that and your journey? Because you, you didn't go from Walla Walla to, to Portland, where you are now. Right. There's some jumping right. in between. Yeah, yeah. No, actually, I, so I did my undergrad. I'm a, I'm a Portland native. I grew up there. Okay. Um, so, so that's definitely home. And Walla Walla is where I did my undergrad. Mm. Um, and uh, what, I planned to... I don't know that I planned fully to be in full-time ministry. I knew whatever I had to do from, a, from when I was a little kid, I knew I had to do whatever it was for Jesus. Mm. Um, but I, I, I didn't think that had to necessarily be in all the traditional ways. Um, you know. And so I went and, and my first job out actually of Walla Walla was in Ohio. Um, in, uh, in Kettering, Ohio, I was working for the college there and uh-huh. they wanted me to, to do, uh, recruitment, but they, uh-huh. but they wanted me to kind of like promote the spiritual life and what's happening though. The problem was there wasn't a lot of spiritual life stuff going on and, and that, so I helped to get that going. Cause I did a lot of that in college and in high school. Um, and, and then they asked me to be the chaplain there. Yeah. Um, and because of that, then Walla Walla, you know, just four years later, I was asked to come back to Walla Walla. Nice. Um, so it was really cool. Um, it was really cool to be able to, I mean, it meant so much to me in my undergrad years to be able to come back and think now like, 
wow, I get to, I get to help people in their spiritual journey yeah. in college. Um, yeah. And I was super excited about that. Also freaked out because mm-hmm. it's a huge responsibility. And uh, I mean, at Walla Walla, it's crazy. Like because it's a residential campus, there were on average 17 worships a week wow. that our office was more or less over. Right. I didn't do all those. I had students, student leaders right. and all that stuff, but 17 in a week, mm-hmm. um, you know, and, um, and but I love chaplaining. It, it yeah. was so much fun to, you know, to, to live and breathe with students, uh, to go on that journey, to have people come in and um, have ideas uh, mm. for things they wanted to do and maybe they'd never been done before and be able to say, hey, let's give it a shot. Right. You know, if it doesn't work, we'll learn something. Yeah. You know, um, one of my favorite conversations is when a student would come in and, and they would say, hey, you know, uh, pastor, I feel like um, I have a burden for a ministry and they'd tell me what their thought was, their burden was, their idea. And then they'd say, so, so uh, can you do that, pastor? And I was like, well, it seems like God's put that on your heart <laughs> for a reason. Cause I'll tell you, I got a lot going on. Right. Yeah. Um, you know, and I would talk to them about, you know, what does that mean? And, and, you know, take this idea, pray about it, start talking to people. Mm. I feel like if the, if the spirit's in something, then there's going to be more than just you that has that idea. Yeah. It's, it's going to start percolating up from different places and, and then, and then come back and, uh, and let me know how I can resource you, right. how I can be your biggest cheerleader and help you out. Yeah. So, I loved being able to do that. I yeah. loved, um, you know, being able to dream. We did some crazy fun stuff. Um, we did a lot of new stuff. Um, I, I feel like on a campus like at Walla Walla, you, you know, you, you have people there that are that identify much more conservative, and mu- and then you have people much more liberal. So mm. it's the full spectrum. Yeah. And I think you know you try to figure out how can I provide something. Uh, on a campus like this where everybody feels like they can grow in Jesus, yeah, you know, great. with something. I want to ask about that, actually. Yeah. Um, what, what, has, what have you seen? How, how should I put this? How has the ministry game changed mm. in your experience? Mm. Because for me, I grew up here in Southern California, yeah. which I like to think of it as this really oddball um, area yeah. when it, it's come to Adventism. Because when I began to cognitively actually think about God, and in maybe more serious terms, there was already this this movement of like trying to do things different. Yeah. And the first time I ever saw that was at Lasser University. They started a um, it was called Church at Noon, mm. and they did this the first like contemporary worship set, and yeah. they had drums, guitar, and all that. And I remember th- being in church and thinking, wow, wow, this is very different. Yeah. Yeah. But I really liked it. Yeah. And that se- that service was just packed out. Yeah. Because that was like that new fresh thing that was happening, you know? But at that time, strangely enough, that was what I associated with church. So that very quickly, church wasn't just this, uh, like that's all I knew about church, you know? And I wonder what has what your experience been with church? Like has it, has it been a, 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 a black and white night and day change to what it is now? Or like what, what does that progression mm. look like? Because I mean, right now we're on a podcast. Yeah. Um, you're wearing a beanie. Yeah. Like, like church has changed. Not yeah. that they didn't wear beanies before, but like the role of a pastor looks different now than yeah. maybe it did a couple years yeah. ago, you know? Well, and, and I, COVID's changed everything. Oh, yeah. You know, and, and I think, honestly, ministry-wise, I think and hope for the better, mm-hmm. um, you know, because people are starting to think outside of the walls of, you know, a church service on Saturday or Sunday, right? right? It's like the, this is, in fact, that that that's probably been... You know, not just working with young adults, it's, it's, it's everybody, but this idea that like, you know, church is this event that we go to, Mm. um, you know, it's, it's a, it's a box that we check in our, our spiritual life. Mm -hmm. Um, but that's all it is. It's, that stays on, on the weekend. Um, you know, and so I think, I think COVID when it stripped that away from us, uh, the in-person gathering option, we've had to sit there and think like, what is my spiritual life? Yeah. You know, cause I, I, I think the reason why some people are so critical about church, you know, the music, the sermon and everything else is because that's all they got Mm. for their spiritual life. So if, if the sermon isn't awesome or the music's just okay, well then, man, I got to wait another week right. before I get anything. That's crazy. And so, so I think that's been one of the problems. And it's, I think that's one of the things I hope comes out of COVID is that we're like, 
I've got to develop a rhythm for my life that is a spiritual rhythm Mm. and and walk with Jesus, the disciplines, the ways we practice that journey so that church is just really icing on the cake. That's so good. It's it's just like, let's come together and celebrate all that God's been doing in our lives in the week. Yeah. Um, Instead of, you know, let's come have our hour or two and then go on. Yeah. Um, so, so that's kind of the thing that, you know, I, I, I see, especially like I used to call it at Walla Walla, I'd call it spiritual obesity, mm. especially on a campus where you have 17 options in a week, right? right yeah. You can go to everything and do nothing. Mm. Right. So true. Yeah. And, and so my biggest struggle as a chaplain, and I, I was good friends with the other chaplains at the other Adventist universities too. Yeah. And we all struggled with this was like what we were creating on our campuses not reality, mm. right? Like, where are you going to go after university? Yeah, where you have seventeen options that mostly your peers are leading out in. Yeah, right. Yeah. And so, how do you help people transition for that and recognize that, like, you got to do, you got to engage, mm. you've got to do something in this, whether that's doing in a community or your own, you know, time in scripture and prayer and, yeah. and things like that. We can't just watch it on a screen. We can't just like, we've got to participate. Mm. It's a participatory thing. Yeah. So, so that's the thing for me that I've seen the biggest need for change is especially in entertainment culture and mm. everything else we have at our fingertips, um, you know, is, is just this idea that like some of this is just on me, Yeah. you know, yeah. in community. Yeah. But, it, but I've got a job to do to work on this relationship. Yeah. You, you're spot on with that. That we actually begun the year with our high schoolers mm-hmm. and, and future of, kind of based off of that yeah. mentality or that idea. Yeah. Because I know for me, I could speak directly out of my own experience. 2020 was so hard spiritually for me. Yeah. I mean, for all, across the board, it was a difficult yeah. year. I've yet to meet one person that was like, yeah, 2020 was No, good. 2020 was great. What are yeah. you talking about? <laughs> I had it's, so much fun. That year sucked so much. Yeah. <laughs> and spiritually, especially for me, yeah. um, well, I was in a position of leadership. So I had to figure out how do I lead young people to Jesus when I myself don't feel right. like spiritually fed. Yeah. And examining it now in the future, looking back, I realized, okay, what I was very much dependent on was sitting in church on Saturday, yeah. being surrounded by people, uh, hearing Tim speak. Yeah. And, and, and that was like my source of nutrients. That yeah. was what fed me. It felt like I, was, I had momentum in my life. And then we come break, a hard break in March last year, about to come up to a year, you know? And I, I realized I had no firm foundation for my faith. Yeah. Like the one thing that my, my spiritual life was was dependent on and was standing on was that in person. So it, it made it makes sense. Right. It, what is it called? In hindsight, it makes so yeah. much sense that I was struggling spiritually. Well, the reason why was because I was being fed by this one experience. Right. But I, I even think what a what a clear uh, picture into the modern Christian's life of like while we really do like things handed to us. Yeah. Like everything has to be packaged the right way and we like to move with excellence we like packaging things and and create an experience but i i really do resonate with what you're saying like sometimes we don't put that work in ourselves for our own spiritual life right right and i don't know how how have you experienced that especially working around young people well here's the thing and 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 I'll, i'll get to the young people part i'll start by talking about something that happened to me when I was around 30 yeah. um, was that I, you know, when you live in a, uh, I mean, Walla Walla, the Valley of Walla Walla has about 55, 60,000 people. Right. But it's relatively small town. Mm. Um, and, and so especially when you're at a, a place like the university and there's a TV channel and there's things like, there's a lot of people that just, they don't know, necessarily know where they know you from, but they know you. And so you get approached and all of a sudden it's like, I, I don't know you. <laughs> um, but I remember I was in a, uh, I was in a doctor's office uh, waiting for an appointment and this elderly woman came up to me and got right up in my space mm. and she looked me right in the eye and I didn't, I didn't know who she was, but she said, how are you and Jesus doing? And I was like, I mean, my first, honestly, my first response was, and your name is, but, but then like right after that, they called my name and I, and I had to go back, but I was thinking about it on the way home. I was like, man, I'm, I'm 30. Mm. I, I have been in ministry ministry positions. I've been interviewed for these kinds of things. I, no one had ever asked me mm. how me and Jesus were doing. Wow. You know? Yeah. And I was like, why is that? Why, why, why don't we, 
why don't we ask that question? I've been asked about, you know, what kind of music I listen to and how yeah. loud I listen to it and <laughs> what do I believe about this doctrine or that doctrine, but nobody yeah. asked me about how Jesus and I were doing. Mm. Um, you know, and and I got to thinking that I, I think I know maybe some of the reason why that is. One is like, we don't talk a lot about, we don't get into the nitty gritty of discipleship type stuff. Yes. Um, and I think part of that is because, you know, for some of us as teachers, like we feel like, man, I really don't know what I'm doing. So wow. I've never been discipled. Yeah. How do I disciple somebody else? So I'm just not going to talk a lot about it. Wow. You know, I'm just going to kind of assume that, you know, especially if you've grown up in the church, right? Like you've figured it out along the mm. way, right? We don't, yeah. we don't have to talk about it. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but we do, right. you know, and we've got to be vulnerable and, and we've got to talk about how, you know, it's, it's not always what you think. The, the, the other thing that I, I think the biggest hindrance to, the, to growth in the spiritual life is comparison, mm. right? Um, and, and what I often say is we've got to stop comparing all the things we know about ourselves to all the things we don't know about somebody else. Wow. Right. Yeah. Cause I can look at you, you're a pastor, like, like, man, you, you've got to have this all figured out. Right. Like, you know how to study your Bible. You know how to pray. You probably get direct <laughs> messages from Jesus all the time. You're right. I you do. know, yeah. I'm just kidding. <laughs> well, I know you do. <laughs> um, you know, and, and, and no one knows what your life is like behind closed doors. Yeah. Right. Mm -hmm. And so we've got to be more open about talking about this kind of stuff. One, so people can have realistic expectations about the spiritual life. Yeah. That's not all of these Sinai mountaintop, you know, big booming voice moments. Yeah. Um, You know, and and the struggle and the joys and the triumphs and the sorrows and all those kinds of things. We got to start talking more about that. Wow. This is so good, Patty. And and are you an Enneagram eight? I'm a six. You're six. Yeah. Okay. I, I. I'm an Enneagram nine. Okay. And I, what I really connect to in that. Yeah. And I didn't, I mean, this is cool because I'm having realizations as we're speaking. <laughs> I had the same thoughts that you're having. Yeah. Where I would look at another pastor and be like, oh man, this guy, yeah. got figured out. She, she's rocking it. Yeah. She understands. And I, I look at my spiritual life. And I'm like, man, this is like a mess right now. Like right. this is, I would never show anybody this part of my life. Yeah. And as a result, I would feel very, I mean, I'm just going to be very transparent. I would yeah. feel very, um, what's the word? not vulnerable. I would feel very, uh, what's, what is the word? Like when you don't want to show somebody a part of you, self-conscious. That's sure. essentially yeah. that. Yeah. I was very self-conscious about my ministry yeah. and the things that I would say because a big portion of me, and this is a big Enneagram 9 thing, yeah. is like I didn't know what I actually believed. Yeah. And I can see very much like, all right, this person believes this yeah. and is so sure about it then this person over here believes this is in, and is so sure about it. And all of a sudden, like both make complete sense to me. Yeah. And then I'm sitting there in the middle of it. I'm like, yeah. man, I have no idea yeah, what I, to say, yeah, right? Yeah. And But that's the thing. Like, I, I feel like everybody to a certain degree experiences that. Yeah. Like as sure as you are about something, I think even the most sure people have some kind of doubt. Yeah. yeah. And, and here's something interesting that I've experienced is that the specifically is I grew up in the Adventist church. Mm-hmm. I don't know what it's like in other denominations. So yeah. I'm gonna talk about the Adventist church. I've always felt nervous to share my doubts in our Adventist community because it felt like everybody was so sure about this thing. Like oh, for example- Such a lie. <laughs> I know, right? Uh, <laughs> for example, th- what I experienced growing up, this is a very lighthearted, small yeah. thing, but like on Sabbath, everything would be turned off, right? Which is okay. I actually do that now yeah. as an adult. But in the moment, you unplug the refrigerator. Yeah, I let you all just my take food everything. Rot. Yeah, everything. Because yeah. yeah. you don't want anything to, to work. Nothing at all. Yeah. You know, <laughs> I don't move a muscle all day. Um, <laughs> I I understand that now in my life. Yeah. But I remember growing up and just being like, "Why do we do this? Like, mm-hmm. this feels really weird." Mm-hmm. You know, and it wasn't that I didn't want to do it per se. It was that I didn't understand the value in it. Mm. But I didn't know how to express that. Yeah. And, and my parents are amazing, and, and they d- definitely made safe spaces for that. But I went to, I grew up going to Spanish church. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, went, I won't say which church. I went to, like, different Spanish churches. And there was just, like, this very firm, like, this is what we do. Yeah. This is the Sabbath. This yeah. is what you watch. This is what you don't watch. Yeah. This is, like, the things you say. This is, are definitely things you don't say, you know? And it just felt like everybody was so sure. Mm. And there that... I, I didn't even feel comfortable stepping into the realm of like, wait, why do we do this? Yeah. Because it seemed to be like everybody had it together, right. you know? And I wonder how much of that still happens today, mm-hmm. um, just under a different disguise. Sure. 
it, it, it may not look like how it did back then, but now I can see how doubts and insecurities about faith can can feel like something bad. Yeah. Like like Pastor Andy seems like he's so put together. I can't right. ask him about this doubt. Oh, that's not right. true. I'm not put together. Yeah. Like I have doubts, you know? Well, and, and, and the way to do that, Andy, is modeling it, right? Mm. Is being willing to be vulnerable and, right. and share that. Because I... Um, you know, I, I've been pretty vocal about that, that I have an anxiety disorder. So that, that's mm-hmm. something that I have to battle. Mm-hmm. Not as, not as, you know, bad as I used to at a certain point in my life, but it still, you know, raises its head at different times. Yeah. And, and I found out in that early on in that struggle when I was getting diagnosed and figuring out what was going on that like, I was so scared to share with anybody, mm-hmm. um, because like, I didn't know what, would I be able to keep my job? Mm. Would anybody look up to me anymore? If they're like, you can't handle, you, you got to have more faith. If you had more faith, you wouldn't have anxiety, right. you know, and all of that. And so I was really scared to share because we give this persona that we've got it all together. Right. right? And, um, and I always say, even the, you know, when it comes to, and this, this is kind of an Adventist statement. You kind of have to get to know this, that, that even the best dressed people still have holes in their socks. Mm. Right. What I mean by that is like in the, you know, in the Adventist culture, like the idea of going to somebody's house after church, big thing, you know, mm. and you can be all dressed up in your suit and whatever. And then you go to their house and you're taking your shoes off because, you know, you yeah, don't want to wear your shoes in the house and you're yeah. like your big toes sticking out of something. And you're like, oh, that looks, oh, it's so embarrassing. What am I going to do? I don't have another pair of yeah. socks. Um, and so we're so afraid of that kind of thing that we put on this persona. I actually had a, I had a conversation with a woman after church once, um, that I saw her in the sanctuary and I could tell that she was processing stuff Mm. and I, I, and she looked like something was weighing really heavy on her. And so I went up and I said, are you, are you okay? I didn't know her, um, but I said, "Are, are you okay? And she said, yeah, I'm okay. I just, I just don't think I can come to this church anymore. And I said, oh, Why? She said, well, because all you people seem to have it all figured out and, and I don't. Wow. And I'm like, oh man, that's, it's so not true. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And so what I've noticed in my willing to share my vulnerabilities, my struggles, the things that I, I have a hard time with that I almost, especially when I do the anxiety, I almost always have somebody that comes up and talks to me afterwards and says, wow, thank you for sharing. I had no idea a pastor could struggle with something like wow. that. You know, yeah. and then they'll say, I haven't told anybody this yet, but yeah. And then they'll share something. Yeah. And that's church mm-hmm. to me. Yeah. Right? That's what it should be. Um and and yet we we just we struggle with it because it's messy. Yeah. And and we don't want to like we I don't want your mess to touch my mess because mm-hmm. because like I'm barely barely holding on as it is. So I'm just gonna pretend it's all good. Right. And I, and I think too, the other, the other great thing about sharing discipleship stuff is that, you know, you may do something, Andy, that I've never thought about doing in my spiritual life. Mm. And if you share that with me, like maybe I get another tool or like, dude, I may, I'm going to try that. Yeah. Or, or when you have, and this is something like to, to young adults expect, well, young people, period, but young adults, since I've worked most with, like I tell them all this, like I have always sought out. Um, I say spiritual mentors. I, I just mean people that have been on the journey longer than I have, mm. that when I look at their life, I feel like there's something of Jesus they emulate. Right. And, and I want yeah. that spoken into my life. Yeah. So I've sought out some of these people um, always, wherever I've been and, and that, and I have some great leaders in my life. But when I hear them talk about their own journey and stuff, like I, I, I won't mention names, but I had one who was a professor, a doctor who had started missionary schools and taught at schools of theology and a seminary. And he told me one thing once, he said, you know, Patty, for two years in my devotional uh, journey, I didn't read the Bible. Wow. And I was like, uh, you can do that. <laughs> and he said, well, here's the thing is that because I teach the Bible had become a textbook for me, Wow. you know? And so I was going to it to get out of it, something to give someone else. And he said, and it's the word of God. And so like, I needed a time to kind of detox almost from that so that it could become again, what it was meant to be for me. Wow. And, and he said, over the course of those two years, like worship music became a bigger thing in my life and different things. But the fact that here is an elder that I looked up to said something and I was like, I didn't even know that was allowed. <laughs> yeah. You know? Yeah. Like it gave me permission to explore something almost. Yeah. And, and I think that's why we got to talk about this stuff. I wonder, I feel like Sabbath has a lot to do with this. And I, I have that thought and I might come back to it later um, if I remember. But w- one thing that really comes to my mind that hinders that, that 
stepping point that you took to mm -hmm. actually be honest about who you are, yeah. what you're struggling with, and yeah. then seeking out help. Yeah. I feel like that's, I'm going to speak to American culture because that's, that's what we're in. That's all I know. Yep. I just know American culture. There's this very big uh, thought movement in, built into our nation that you, you, you put, pick up your bootstraps. Is that how you say it? Sure. Yeah. Whatever. And you get the job done. Like yeah. you, you, you do it. Yep. The whole American dream is built off the idea that, that your success is, is in your hands. Yeah. You work hard and then you'll get what you put in. Right. Yeah. Ideally that's the American sure. dream. I feel like that has saturated every part of us. Yeah. And what I've experienced growing up, um, and part of that was definitely uh, a maybe toxic form of masculinity mm -hmm. or, or whatever. Growing up, I very much never thought of like reaching out to my friends, which sounds crazy, but reaching out to my friends to tell them like, hey, I'm not doing well. Mm -hmm. Like in high school, I remember like being surrounded by a bunch of, of my friends and, and just feeling like, oh man, I feel really insecure right now. I don't know if you guys are actually my friends. You know, yeah. but, but looking back, I've talked to people, uh, post high school and they've, I, I'll tell them that now. Yeah. And they'll be like, what are you talking about? Like <laughs> you had so many friends and, yeah. and I realized like, oh no, no, no. They saw from the outside, it looked like that I was having a good time. I had a lot of friends, but yeah. in reality, that's not what I was feeling. Wow. And I've also talked to other friends in my circle who were feeling the exact same thing as I was, yeah. but there was whatever thing within us that just didn't want to show what we were actually going. Like there yeah. was an in we, we we didn't have the capability yet to to be vulnerable, you right. know, to right. to be like this. I'm just not doing well, yeah. you know. Yeah. And and well, it, I th I think high school's hard in that sense, right? Because mm -hmm. you're you're you are you're trying to figure out who you are and what you are up against everybody else. Yeah. And so you you kind of you do want to put out this persona that you got it figured out, mm. right? Yeah. And and so yeah, I think it's hard. No, that that totally makes sense. And I I've talked to a student recently about that as well. Yeah. Just the fact that I told I told him like, dude, I promise you, all your friends are probably feeling the same exactly. thing. Exactly. And yeah. all it takes is that first person to reach out and be like, yep. I'm not doing well. Yep. And and I remember I've I've done that to friends and it, and I remember just being open with my friend for the first time. Yeah. This is post high school. So yeah. and and he just didn't know what to do. And it wasn't bad. It was just this <laughs> shocking moment of like Oh, like we can do this? Yeah. Like we can be honest about how we're feeling and it doesn't make us any less of like quote unquote men or, yep. or you know? Yep. And and I think that's that's the direction that we need to head towards. Right. And and now I kind of want to connect something else because yeah. growing up or not even growing up currently right now. Yeah. I I see this really interesting church culture where our young people specifically in the Adventist church right now have a very weird connection to the church. Mm. So they hold on to certain values that they had growing up mm -hmm. and they've let go of others. Mm -hmm. And what I found, they're very strange. Mm. Um, for instance, like I, I met someone that, I, I, I'm not gonna necessarily put moral value on any of this, mm -hmm. but like they went out for a night of drinking mm -hmm. and then the next day uh, they went out for breakfast and I went to breakfast with them. Yeah, And then, like she, she was ordering her food and the lady was like, do you want bacon with that? And she was like, oh, no, no, I don't eat bacon, yeah. you know? Yeah. And then she left and then, and then I was like, oh, you don't eat bacon? And she's like, yeah, I'm Adventist, you know? And I was like, <laughs> oh, okay, so like you've let go of certain values, but you're holding on to other ones, yeah. you know? Yeah. And I, I also see that part of like this weird, uh, what's the word, like new form hybrid Adventism mm -hmm. that we are in right now is there's not a lot of emphasis on mentors. Mm. Like the, there, you don't think of a spiritual leader to guide you in life. Mm. And for me, when I think about it, I definitely connect it to like, there's this weird grind culture in mm. the US of like, I'm gonna do this on my own. Yeah. I'm self-made, like yeah. this whole thing, you know? And I've, I've had to come face to face with like, I need people to tell me like, yeah. like maybe this isn't the best thing for you. Like yeah. give me guidance. Like I need that. Yeah. Have you ever experienced something like that? Especially leading college students? Yeah. like. Or maybe we can even shed light on the importance of having some kind of spiritual or oh, mentor I, in your life. I, I, I think it's absolutely critical. It's mm. absolutely critical to have that. I mean, I he, here's the thing, though. It's like 
like I, so, so this, this one I, I was talking to that didn't read the Bible for two years devotionally, mm-hmm. right? Um, he, uh, he, when I went to him and said, I mean, this is somebody that I feel like regularly meets with Jesus face to face. I mean, he's just that kind of guy. Mm. And I asked, would you, would you be this kind of spiritual leader in my life? And he said, well, well, yeah, as long as you recognize I'm no expert. Mm. And I'm like, what are, you, what are you talking about? Like, yeah. you've wrote a book about this. You, you taught at seminary. You, he's and, and and actually Eugene Peterson, who wrote the Message Bible, uh-huh. he says it this way. He said that there are no experts in the company of Jesus. Wow. Right. Yeah. And and so what he was saying is like, yeah, I'll be there for you, but but I'd like you to be there for me too. Let's mm-hmm. enter into this relationship together because yeah. I'm sure I have things to learn too. And I was like, whoa, dude, that's crazy. Yeah. Um, but I think it's absolutely critical to be in that relationship, but it's a commitment, mm. right? I just came from a breakfast with someone that I committed to do that with six, seven years ago. Mm. Um, and I've been a part of her journey and she's had a rough last year, just personal family situations and stuff like that. And I wanted to make sure since I knew she was down here, like I'm going to go and I'm going to have breakfast. I'm going to see how she's doing. Mm. And, and I asked the question that I now ask and I said, how are you and Jesus doing? Wow. And you get to see the tears yeah. and, and like, thank you for asking, mm. um, you know, and it's like, we need that. We're, we're, we're built for it. We need those relationships so bad. We don't yeah. know it all. Yeah. I don't ever know it all. Mm. And so I just need people that are willing, that have been traveling longer than I have. And I need this in marriage. I need this in all sorts of areas mm. of my life that can just speak wisdom into my life. But I also give those people permission to, to say, Hey, you've got something in your life that isn't healthy mm. and maybe you don't see it, but let me point that out for you. Right. Yeah. I think that's also critical and it's hard. Yeah. It's, it's hard to hear that stuff, yeah. but I, I was going through a tough season in my life and I had, uh, I was being really critical. I was getting a lot of, um, you know, I was being attacked by a lot of different things. And one of those was an employer at the time where it was, I felt very unjust and I was mm. trying to navigate and figure it out. And, but I was getting angry and it took one of those people coming and said, Patty, look, you got to stop. I know you're hard and this isn't you. And you got to stop doing that. And I was like, you're right. Wow. And, yeah. and so sometimes we need a person to hold the mirror up to us yeah. and say that. So if we want to grow, if we want to become better people and become the people I think Jesus sees when he looks at us, yeah. we've got to be willing to put ourselves in those kinds of relationships yeah. and, and be vulnerable yeah. and let people speak truth into our life. That's so good, man. Yeah. Yeah. It, it, you need people around you that can remind you who you really are yeah. and point out like, Hey, you're living, you're living below your identity right now. Right. Right. Um, I want to get a little practical about that yeah. because that, that is indisposable in life. Yeah. I, I think I, I hope people can learn that now as opposed to like, you know, cause there's, there's like hard ways of learning. Like I should probably get mentorship. Right. Yeah. Um, how, how can someone begin to look for a mentor? And what I mean is like, what are the characteristics? Because not every person that you talk to is going to give you good advice. Right. Like right. I remember once I was in a relationship and was having issues. Yeah. And someone once told me like, oh man, that's really tough. You guys should just get married. <laughs> and I say, what? <laughs> that doesn't sound like good advice. What, what, what kind of Dr. Phil are they listening to? I, exactly. Like, yeah. where, where did he get that from? <laughs> you know, so like not every person, yeah. even if they're yeah. older than you are, gonna, is going to give right. you good advice, right? right? Yeah. So like how can someone begin to pick out yeah. Good mentors in life. Like, yeah. What are those? I, you know, I, I honestly think that there are more than you would think when you start to open your eyes and you look at the your, mm. your circle around you. Yeah. You know, some people will think like something will stop. First of all, you have to say like, I think you need someone who has characteristics that you admire and you respect. Mm. So if it's in your spiritual life, then obviously you've you've got to get a sense from them that you respect their spiritual wisdom you know, their place, the things they say and, right. and whatever and how they carry themselves. Like there's got to be something there that you want in your life. Yeah. Um, and, and I just think there's more around us than we realize, but sometimes we think, well, they're really busy or they're not going to want to do that for me mm-hmm. or whatever. And I, I say, ask, yeah. you don't know unless you ask. Yeah. And my guess is people would take it as such a, like anytime I've been asked, I'm like me, mm-hmm. really? Like mm-hmm. that's such a huge compliment an honor to enter into that relationship. But, um, you know, no one's perfect. So I don't think it's about being perfect. I just think it's about, there's something about this person you admire and respect. Right. And that's why I say it, it, it needs to be someone older. Yeah. Um, you know, for, for things like, 
your professional life and things like your spiritual yeah. life and, and that kind of things. I mean, there, there's some stuff that you can do with peers that's different, but mm-hmm. you need someone that's just been on the journey and has more yeah, wisdom than you do. For sure. You yeah. know, because I think our, our biggest problem today is that we have access to tons of information, mm. but we don't have a lot of wisdom. Yeah. Right. Wow. That's good. And we have knowledge, but not wisdom. Yeah. Um, you know, and so you, you need wisdom. And, yeah. and so finding somebody or something that you respect about them that you'd like in your life. And, and certainly nothing that says you couldn't change if you get into a, you know, that relationship and like something isn't clicking or you don't mm. feel like you're growing or whatever, yeah. but, yeah. but, you know, ask and, and look around you that's good. and see who those people are. If that's somebody at church, if that's somebody, you know, at, at work, uh, you know, if there's a family member, maybe they don't even live close, but they're willing to talk to you once in a while and, right. yeah. and go through that. That's what, yeah. That's great. Yeah. Yeah. I wonder, you mentioned something very briefly. I'm going to paraphrase it, yeah. that you need to be willing to hear some advice. Yeah. And I think sometimes like, we can we can ignore good advice and just kind of X somebody out even mm. though the advice is good. Yeah. And I feel like sometimes we even know the advice is good, mm. but we just choose not to yeah. take it. Sure. How can we make sure that we're postured in a way where when we hear advice, like we're like, man, that, that is actually what we need, you yeah. know, as yeah. opposed to, they're trying to give me advice on this thing. I don't like the advice. Yeah. So I'm just going to exit out yeah. and, and, and I'm actually losing some kind of, uh, something that would benefit me yeah. like greatly, yeah. you know? So I don't know if that makes sense. Yeah, no, 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 it does. I, you know, it's a, it's a state of the heart, right? In, in a lot of ways. And, and sometimes when we're unwilling to listen to the people around us, mm. um, they, there's, there's an issue that's going on that we need to address and we may not be able to get at it. And I, so, I mean, I, I also encourage people into counseling. Mm. Uh, I don't think anybody's better than that. Mm. You know, like I think everybody, I, I always see counseling. Of course, I'm a pastor and I'm married to a social worker. So it's kind of in our blood, mm-hmm. um, you know, uh, but this idea of, um, you know, that uh, like if you if you want to get the best abs in the world, right, mm-hmm. you go to a trainer who's going to say, OK, if you want to work that muscle group, here's what you got to do. Right. right. I, yeah. I see counseling in the same way. By the way, if you find a good person for abs, let me know, because I've never had them. You're looking uh, at them. <laughs> <laughs> but but I think that. Um, you know, you, you counseling is much the same way, right? Like we've all got stuff that we've been through. In fact, our disorders and things are just the way we've learned to live and our adapt to our broken environment. Mm. Right. And, and we've survived, but not always in the best way. Right. Yeah. But we can't always figure that stuff out. And so what a good counselor is there to do is to help you kind of like lay everything out and then yeah. pick it back up in, in a way that makes sense. Wow. So you know, good. and start working on stuff. And yeah. so sometimes if we're not willing to listen, we got something going on mm. that we need to address. And, and, and there are times when I think that, you know, it's, it's a, it's humility. It's a spirit of, you know, I think prayer does that when you're willing to get on your knees and say, God, I surrender. I need right. you. I need your help. Um, but I think God's given us tools and I think counseling can be one of those tools. Yeah. Um, you know, and, and, and of course it's, I always tell people like not every counselor relationship is the right relationship either. Wow. You know, yeah. like you've got to find someone that you feel like you can click with and that right. is willing to kind of help you in the direction that you need to, to be helped. So if yeah. you have a bad count, I've had people, they'll say I had a bad counseling experience. I'm like, well, don't give up on counseling because of that. Right. You, you just maybe need to find the right person. Yeah. That's so good. Yeah. You are spot on. That is something that we've been trying to really push, especially in the past couple of episodes. Me and Isai, you had done a podcast on, on anxiety recently. Yeah. And, and part of that was recognizing that pastors aren't always counselors. Yeah. Um, and that, that you, you should go see a professional licensed counselor, you know, and as someone who has gone through counseling and is continuing, like my, my appointment is tomorrow morning, 11 a.m. Yeah. That's my, my every two weeks, you know? Oh, I told you, I'm going to be late for that. It's <laughs> <laughs> my counselor right here. <laughs> um, it, 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 I'm seeing how indisposable it is. Like yeah. I, it is absolutely oh, necessary. Yeah. Absolutely. It, I don't know where, where we kind of got this idea that our brains didn't need some kind of doctor or healing yeah. or anything like that. We're very self-sufficient. We pride ourselves in, in the U.S. Mm-hmm. on being very self-sufficient. Oh, yeah. It's why we don't like, it, it's why we're so unhappy, Yeah, honestly, because you go to other countries that, you know, we consider third world countries and they don't have the possessions we have and the rights and the privileges and everything else, but they seem happier. Yeah. Why yeah. is that? Because they have community. Right. 
the rest of us over here, we're just trying to do it all on ourselves because we're trying to prove something to somebody. Mm. And that's yeah. not, we're not designed for that. Uh-uh. We were designed by a, a, a community of three yeah. to be in community yeah. and to do this together. Mm-hmm. We're not designed to do it alone. And so I think that's where it part starts to break apart. Yeah. So we all need that to, you know, I mean, like what other country has as many social workers and counselors and th- than we do? It's because we're so messed up. Yeah. And yeah. yet we still struggle to admit it. Yeah. Yeah. That community is absolutely indisposable as yep. well. Like yep. you cannot do this on your own. Yeah. And I, that, that's why I think Sabbath culture kind of repairs that because Sabbath is mm. very communal. Yeah. And, and uh, recently I've been trying to dive in into talking about the Sabbath. Mm-hmm. Um, I read this book. I don't know if you've heard of it. It's called The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry. Um, huh. It's by John Mark Comer. He's huh. actually okay. Portland. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've read the book. Oh, you have? Yeah, I know John Mark. Oh, cool. Yeah. Do you really? <laughs> I don't know him personally. Sorry. Oh, oh, Sorry. Oh. I know his ministry. I've done, and, and I'm waiting for them to be meeting in person because I'm anxious to go and check out what they have at right. their Bridgetown, yeah, Bridgetown. Uh, church. But yeah, no, it's a, it's, it's, it's a good book, especially for yeah. right now. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Most definitely. Yeah. Um, and, and it's been kind of shedding this new light on what the Sabbath is. Yeah. And what I've seen is that Sabbath culture really pushes against like this American dream culture. Right. Of like, you got to grind to get yeah. to where you got to go. You got to, you're self-made, do it on your own. Yeah. And, and in the book, John Mark Homer kind of points out like, Jesus had a community around him. Yeah. Like he didn't do this all alone. He, he once spent time alone with God, Yeah. but he was surrounded by 11, 12 other people yeah. to do life with. And even within those 11, 12 people, he had two people. I, I forget who went to the garden with him. Uh, John and... John and Peter. John and Peter, yeah. who who were there specifically with him, yeah. you know? James, James, John, and Peter went the James, three, Peter. into the Garden of Gethsemane. When yeah. He, yeah, 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 yeah. No, that, uh, it's just, it's one of my favorite stories because you see the vulnerability of, yes. and the humanity of Jesus yes. in that, yeah. And here's here's one thing that I want to also touch on, on what you're saying, yeah. the vulnerability that Jesus showed. Yeah. Um, I want to talk very briefly. What, what, what's our timestamp right now? What, what are we at? I don't want to go past three and a half hours. Three and a half hours. Fifteen minutes. Fifteen minutes. All right, okay. we got time. Okay. Um, very briefly, I want to talk about uh, just like a toxic masculinity, or or, mm. or like these old forms of masculinity, yeah. because I think, in my experience, and this might not be everybody's experience, but what I've been experienced is that masculinity was very much tied to how much pain you can suppress oh hmm. so like you don't yeah. show your emotions yeah um but very clearly in scripture we see jesus showing his emotions oh yeah uh P- paul talks about the thorn in his side yeah but boasts about his weakness not his strength right, right? so I, I you see this difference between what we have deemed to be masculine yeah. and what we see in scripture yeah and thinking about it i mean i don't want to share too much <laughs> about my dad but i want to say briefly like i've seen my dad cry three or four times yeah three times my whole life, yeah. you know? And and that's like, my dad recently has gone through a lot of growth, which is cool. Shout out my dad, cause I know he's listening right now. <laughs> um, but but one of the things I've seen is that growing up and, and, and before me, there was this very strong culture, like you hold your emotions in, yeah. you don't share what you're going through and you, you, you're just present and strong for those who are around you, yeah. right? And I think that is also maybe a hinder for a lot of people. Like they're unwilling to be vulnerable. Yeah. Um, can you share anything about that or yeah. any help in that? Uh, man, it's, it, yeah, it's hard. It's, it's hard when you, it's hard when it's not modeled to you in any mm. way. Um, you know, it's, it's hard to, to know what to do um, when you haven't seen it done. And, and if you are more emotive, mm. then you just feel like something's wrong with you, right. um, yeah. you know, and, and why can't I figure this out and, mm. and whatever, again, you compare yourself to mm. people. So, you know, I don't, I don't, um, I, I don't know. I, again, I would say it's in some ways, it's why so many of us need counseling because right. we have grown up in, in environments with broken people because it's a broken world and we need someone to help us navigate and point out how we try to adapt to that brokenness mm-hmm. that wasn't healthy or wasn't good right. for us, but it helped us survive. Yeah. Right. So like, I know, I know like in, in my own journey, um, I, I realized with counseling that like, um, something that happened when I was younger, it's so my mom, my mom and dad both worked full time and my mom was very type a and worked hard and, and that kind of thing. And yet 
um, so she, she was at work a lot. My, I had a grandmother and an aunt that kind of took care of us when mom and dad were working. Mm. Um, but you know, there are times when I wanted my mom around and I, at some point, again, I didn't realize this at the time, but that I realized that when I was sick, my mom would stay home Mm. and, and take care of me. And so that kind of translated later on into my life where like I would kind of lean on my mom or call my mom when I was sick because I wanted her to be there for me, but I couldn't, and it, and it wasn't healthy, but I couldn't figure it out mm. because that's just how I learned to adapt to my situation. And, and that's where I needed someone else that could kind of help me because I was too close to it, right. you know? Yeah. Um, so it's just a, it starts with a willingness to say that, look, I know that obviously I'm broken mm. and there, I, I have stuff that keeps me from growing or keeps me from becoming the person that I think Jesus sees when he looks at me. And so what can I do to get on a path of growth? Mm. Um, and look, dude, there's times and that's going to be painful. Yes. And that's going to hurt. Yeah. And it's going to be hard. But it's, see, in the spiritual life, and I'll take it to that, to that as well, it's like we have this expectation that if we do everything right, you know, we're going to be on the mountaintop, mm. you know, the whole mountaintop valley analogy, right? Which, which uh, I don't think is the best analogy, but it's, it's what we use a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, and what we don't realize is like, if you look at a mountaintop, there's not a lot that grows on the mountaintop, mm. right? Yeah. I mean, you see some beautiful sights, but the growth happens in the valley. Wow. Right? Yeah. And, and even Jesus's like biggest mountaintop experience is that was the transfiguration, mm. right? But what's the very next line after you know, the transfiguration moment and Jesus came down the mountain hmm. because that's where life happens. And right. he comes down and the disciples are in it with a dad whose son wasn't healed and it's drama and it's politics. And it's like, well, that's life. Wow. Right. Yeah. And people have to know that that's spiritual life. It's not all rose petals and butterfly kisses. It's mm. not, you know, it's work. Yeah. Um, in that, but we have to covenant. So, so, so this is another thing that, that I would say, especially to young adults that like, um, th- there's a great book by Timothy Keller. Um, and, and I'll be honest, I, I man crush on Timothy Keller. Tim Keller. He's, he's a C.S. Lewis of our time, <laughs> but his book is the meaning of marriage. Dude, I'm reading it right now. Oh, uh, so good. He's finished chapter one. Yeah. He, he has this whole thing about the difference between a consumer and a covenant relationship, mm. right? He says so many of our relationships that were meant to be covenant relationships are consumer relationships. Wow. We're treating them as consumer relationships. And of course, a consumer relationship is when you're in it for what you get out of it. Wow. Versus a covenant relationship that says, I'm in like a wet marriage. I'm in this no matter what. Good mm. times, bad times, sickness, health, rich or poor. I'm in this, right? Um, and and that we need to have covenant relationships, not just consumer relationships. And so I think a lot of us have treated our relationship with God that way. Like, God, I'm praying. I'm going to church. I'm doing this. But I don't feel your presence. Mm. I don't hear your voice. I don't like, what, what up? You know, why am I not getting out of this what I think I should? Mm-hmm. And then we walk away. You know, and, and I, I often give the example if I'm talking to somebody about that, about Mother Teresa. Mother Teresa, if you know anything about her story, she, she was a huge help to me reading her story and her letters when I was going through the worst of my anxiety. Because here was a woman who, from the moment she accepted the call to go to India to serve the poorest of the poor, she struggled to feel the presence of God. Hmm. And, and she writes about that. I think... If she was alive today, she might have been diagnosed manic or at least struggling with depression or something. Um, But she struggled with that almost the whole rest of her career. Now, you talk about someone who was doing something for Jesus. Like she was loving on the poorest of the poor. She was with people dying. I mean, she just had a huge impact. Mm. And yet this tiny little woman, like she struggled to sense the presence of God. But she didn't give up. She didn't walk away. She kept at it because, because she made a commitment and she changed the lives of so many people. And I, I thought like, she was like 4'10 or something, you know, it's your size. No, <laughs> uh, but like if a little woman like that yeah. can figure it out, mm-hmm. like maybe I could do something for the kingdom of God, That's So good, man. you know, but, but it's going to take a commitment and, it, and it's going to be work. Cause Jesus, I often say, Jesus never promised easy. He just said he'd be with us, Yeah, you know? And you look at the life of Jesus and you look at how he lived his life. I mean, you know, you go back to that, the, the whole idea of success in that, like, if you look at Jesus's three and a half years of ministry, like if it, I would have done a lot differently hmm. 
if I knew my mission was to like start this whole new revolution that was going to last, like, do you, and, and, and the disciples even are pushing him at times. They're like, Jesus, come on, we got to go here. We got to go there. We got to do this. We got to do that. And Jesus is like, oh, why don't you come away with me for a little bit? Mm. Why don't you, why don't you just chill out? Yeah. It's cool. And then he goes to the cross and literally you could see him in that moment on the cross from an outsider's perspective as the biggest failure in the world. Mm. Three and a half years with 12 guys and only one of them is even there at your death. Hmm. Like you failed, dude. And yet what happened? Right? Yeah. He started something that changed the world. Wow. So it's um, keeping our eyes on Jesus and, and his example and his way and, and, and the way he lived and doing it, recognizing that it's different than the rest of the world. Yeah. It's a different metric. Yeah. Um, and you'll get pushback from people. Why aren't you doing it this way? Why aren't you doing it that way? Mm. It's because I'm following this dude, Jesus. Yeah. And and he's calling me into something different than all of this. That's so good, man. Uh, and it's hard. But but that's the life that's transformative. Yeah. Not just for you and me, but the people around us too. Yeah. You yeah. know? Dude, so uh, we're gonna we're gonna call it right there because that, that <laughs> was the most beautiful book ending that we could have. Dude, thank you so much for centering us back on Jesus. Because yeah, in reality that before just for everybody um i was one of the things we were going to talk about was like your heart for ministry what has led you what has pushed you forward yeah and and he was like well that's easy why am i doing this jesus like why do i continue this jesus what do i want people to meet jesus like at the end of the day that's just the best way we could sum it up it's jesus like the the ultimate form of covenant relationship i think it's 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 actually uh, you know you say that i uh, my, you know, as a pastor, you try to figure out a way how you're going to end your emails, sign it, you know, like blessings all Pastor Patty or, you know, all in Christ, you know, oh, or like everybody you. feel, yeah, <laughs> I don't know why that's a, is that a thing? I don't know. Do, I don't know. do you not think about that? I, I don't know. I, I thought about that. Yeah, yeah. But, but my line uh, for me is I, I sign everything that I write with um, one for all hmm. and all for the one. That's so good. And, and that's. That's how I'm trying to live my life. I don't get it perfect by any stretch, mm. but one for all, all for the one. You're the best, man. Thanks, man. Thanks so much for being here. Yeah, thanks hey, for the invite. Of course. Uh, we love you guys so much. Thanks for listening. Thanks for tuning in. Uh, this will be up soon. So talk to you guys later. Bye.